Fresh off Father's Day weekend, you are back locked on to the hottest show on the streets, the number one source for Alabama football news, notes, and information. And that being in my own words, yours truly, your man, Stephen M. Smith of Touchdown Alabama Magazine. Appreciate each and every last one of you tuning in on a Monday to start off your work week as we bring this to you from Tuscaloosa, streaming this via YouTube. And speaking of YouTube, Go ahead right now, drop a thumbs up, give a like on the show, but most importantly, hit that subscribe button, turn all of those notifications on so that you can have the best in news, notes, alerts, commentary on your favorite program, that being the Crimson Tide. We've got a lot to get to to unpack on today's show, but we start by giving a hello to the better half in the room, the man in the production studio, my man John Ivory. John, how you feeling, man? Feeling great, man. Uh, welcome to the show. Make sure y'all share the show and light the chat up, man. We got a great show for y'all today. And we want every last one of you to be a part of this. You can be a part of the show by calling 205-448-1358, the number to let your voice be heard on the program, on the network, 205-448-1358. And one more time, 205 205- 448-1358. You can also text with that number and leave a voicemail with that number. But we jump into the start of the conversation, folks. And uh, the question I'm being asked a lot by, of course, you the fans is, Stephen, are we going to have a college football season? Is this going to happen? We have seen the cases for the coronavirus increase, growing larger by the day. We have seen the concerns of people in national media, the concerns of players. Are we going to have a college football season? Because if this does not happen, Stephen, I'm going to lose my mind. We already got people losing their mind as it is just due to we're not having a lot of live sports. But if college football does not happen, Stephen, I'm going to go ballistic. So are we going to have truly a college football season? That is the concern that's the thought on the lot of the faces of fans. And for me, two reasons why Alabama will have a college football season. There'll be an Alabama football season. There'll be a college football season. And the first of the two reasons comes from Mayor Walter Maddox here in Tuscaloosa. And Mayor Maddox, according to CBS 42, he had a press conference today. And in that press conference, he talked about how much football is valued in Tuscaloosa, in surrounding areas, most importantly, the state of Alabama. If the Crimson Tide does not have a football season, Tuscaloosa could be looking at losing up to $2 billion. That's billion with a B. Up to $2 billion in revenue. In revenue. That's a lot of money. And I understand, you know, at the end of the day, the health and safety of our players or of the players is a big deal. The health and safety of the fans, a big deal as well. But also at the same time, you look at an entity that brings in a lot of money, brings in a lot of infrastructure, brings in a lot of jobs, brings in just a lot of things, and including it ups the student enrollment as well. And Bob, as I'm talking about, you know, Alabama football just – bringing up the enrollment here for just a moment. And I, I got a chance to attend the university as an undergraduate from 2011 to 2015. And when I would see students come in 
from Georgia, from Florida, from New York, from California, from Texas, from all states and, and all walks of life. And they would come to Alabama, you know, leaving behind programs, leaving behind schools and institutions that had great football programs. But they chose to come to Alabama because, like the old saying goes, other programs, they play football at Alabama and Tuscaloosa and Birmingham and surrounding areas. We live, we breathe the gridiron game. Football is a way of life. Football is a culture. Football is religion. Football, for a lot of people here, you base your life you know, around the game, around the sport of football. So it does a lot. For this city, you know, it does a lot for the state. And the main thing that Mayor Maddox wants to do is find a way to effectively, efficiently create a way to where Alabama can have the whole football season. So if no football season, period, we're looking at a loss of up to $2 billion in revenue. But if there's a abbreviated season, you're still having negative pushback because that brings in the restriction of fans, you know, how many fans can be in there, how much spacing can be provided, and number of other, you know, different uh, situations that would provide, you know, trial and error. So right now, you know, Mayor Maddox is trying to figure out the best way to effective, uh, effectively have a full football season where you can have the players in the right situation, the coaches in the right situation, the fans in the right situation, and how everybody can sort of profit off of this. So, uh, number one reason that football will happen for the college game and for Alabama, most importantly, is you know it brings in the money, it brings in the revenue, revenue, it brings a lot of things to the table. And not having the gridiron game, uh, you know, Mayor Maddox used the words, it would be an economic catastrophe if Alabama did not have a season tied football important to the community. The number two reason as to why we will have football is going back to Wednesday of last week, the NCAA Division I Council, it approved a six-week preseason practice plan. It approved the practice plan. Now, the plan was at first brought up to the NCAA Oversight Committee. And so the Oversight Committee approved it, and it got to the COVID-19 advisory panel. It approved it. And so now the NCAA Division I Council has approved the plan. So on the, uh, on the Oversight Committee... It was Shane Lyons, who was the committee chair. He's also the athletic director at West Virginia University. So the model that's been put into place in terms of the in terms of the six-week preseason plan here, there's a three-part model. So what does this mean for Alabama football? Simple. For right now, uh, the players will continue working with coaches David Ballou and Dr. Matt Ray in the in in the in-person voluntary workout. So those workouts, they started on June the 8th, according to the presidents, each president of the SEC, of an SEC school. So the workout started June the 8th. They will go until June 25th. So as of right now, Alabama will continue in the weight conditioning, in the strength conditioning, in the speed training, flexibility, injury prevention training of David Ballou and Dr. Ray. When, when uh, July 13th comes into fray, this opens up phase one. So July 13th, 
to July 23rd, Alabama athletes will have up to eight hours of weight training, conditioning, and film review per week. So up to eight hours per week of all three of these things. This means the players would get their time with coaches Baloo and Ray in the weight training and conditioning, but also they get that time to, to watch film, whether that film would be breaking down different uh, formations, breaking down different systems, different strategies, different plays. For example, let's say Coach Saban walks in and he puts up a formation on the screen and you're able to within that formation you learn a new play within that formation you learn a new strategy you learn a new system a new scheme and coach Saban and the coaching staff would be breaking down you know why that put that scheme in why is that playing in what is this formation and everything that those things would entail so from July 13th through the 23rd it would be phase one of this, being everybody would get up to eight hours of weight conditioning, uh, weight training, conditioning, and also that film review. So that would be part one. Part two would come in from July 24th to August 6th. And this is where the fun stuff comes in, John. So part two would be 20 countable hours of athletic activities. So Alabama would have eight hours of the weight training and the conditioning with Baloo and Ray. But after those eight hours, it would have up to six hours of walkthroughs, which would include a football. Here is where it gets fun, John. And this is where I would love to see Nick Saban do this. I would love to see Nick Saban have the media involved, giving us the opportunity to get on the field and get this stuff on film, get this stuff on camera, get this stuff out here on social media. Because the six hours of walkthroughs, this would include things like seven on seven, you know, 11 on 11, where players are actually on the practice field with the football and Coach Sabe and his staff are going over, this is why we attack like this. This is why we are aggressive like this. This is how you take the angle away. This is how we're tackling and being able to you know, catch those freshmen that did not have spring football up to speed and then also get some of the experienced guys up to speed on the nuances that are happening, especially the guys that did not play last year, your Dylan Moseses, your Joshua McMillan's because of injury. So those six hours of walkthroughs would be really, really cool, especially if Coach Sade would allow the media to get on the field and document that and get that. And then behind those two, you would have your six hours of meetings. These would be team meetings, player meetings, coaches meetings, one-on-one -on -one meetings. Here is that situation where you would have the evaluations that you didn't have you know, back in the spring due to the outbreak of the coronavirus global pandemic. So part two of this, from July 24th to August 6th, Alabama would have the eight hours of weight training and conditioning, the six hours of walkthroughs, which would include a football, I mean the six hours of meetings. And then during this 14-day period, the players could have at least two days off there. And then last but not least, phase three of the model, if everything is if, if everything is ready to set sail, providing the season starts on the week of September the 5th. September the 5th, excuse me, then part three of the model would be, you know, Alabama would start fall camp, preseason camp on August the 7th. And we all know how fall camp goes. The first 
you know, initiation of the camp would be, you know, Coach Saban and his wife, Miss Terry. They would be inside, you know, Bryant Denny, and they would have the Knicks Kids function to where, you know, you would have the Knicks Kids Foundation function. Players would be signing posters, signing things for the children. Of course, Coach Sabe would make his speech on what on the function going on and the importance of Knicks kids and how it goes to helping out the youth in the community, how they are really being involved and taking Tuscaloosa to the next steps forward. So, you know, Sabe and, and Miss Terry would speak on those things. And then after the Knicks kids function, that first weekend in August, either that Saturday or that Sunday, you would have the media day portion to where Coach Sable would have the defensive coordinator and the offensive coordinator speak for the first time. It would probably it would be one of the two times they would get to speak in front of the media. And then after that, things would transition to, you know, Brian Denny. You would you would get a chance to interview the players for an allotted period of time, get your questions, get your pictures, get your video. The team would take the team photo. And then the press would be whisked away inside of the other press box to watch the two hours of the practice. And the very next week, you would start the full fall camp from Monday on until the start of the regular season. So with Merrimatics figuring out ways to effectively and efficiently make sure, you know, Alabama has that football season, seeing how important the gridiron game is to everybody, that would be reason one. And then reason two, the NCAA Division Council approving the six-week preseason practice plan, which would give Alabama the chance to take back what it lost in spring due to uh, the coronavirus pandemic. Phase one would be July 13th to the 23rd, up to eight hours of doing different things. Phase two would be July 24th through August 6th, which would include the walkthroughs. And then phase three would be August 7th, starting the fall camp. But we take our first break here on the show to kick off this Monday. Don't touch that dial. Just getting you started. Upon our return, we unpack your questions, your phone calls, your thoughts, your tweets, your texts, your concerns. It's time for Talk Alabama Football with your man, and you can do that right after this. Sports fan deserves the proper representation. Whitwill Sports introduces to you the title towel. Wave that title towel in the air like you just don't care in support of Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide. Only $9.99 and it lasts a lifetime. Head on over to WhitwillSports.com and get your title towel today. Touchdown Alabama Magazine is Alabama football's premier publication. A subscription to Touchdown Alabama Magazine is the perfect gift for any Alabama fan. For exclusive news and information, recruiting updates, a free annual print magazine, and more, go to touchdownalabama.com and click join. Only $5.95 per month or pay $49.95 for a full year subscription. That's a saving of almost $22. Go to touchdownalabama.com today and roll tide. All right, Crimson Tide Nation back in from the break on what is the best form of Alabama football news, notes, and information you will find on the streets. In my own words, with yours truly, Stephen Smith of Touchdown Alabama Magazine. And folks, it's your time, 205 
248-1358. And I'm going to call in to let your voice be heard. 205-448-1358. And one more time, 205-448-1358. Want to hear from you, your thoughts, your opinions. What are you feeling about when we discuss Alan? Bama football, you can also text with that number and leave a voicemail with that number. But as you're getting your thoughts together here on uh, this, in this segment here, Alabama safety, former Alabama safety, Xavier McKinney, it's really cool that two of the biggest recruiting tools for Nick Saban in terms of bringing, you know, guys into the program is, you know, number one, being able to put guys in the NFL draft, and then number two, being able to have former players talk about their experience at Alabama, what made the Crimson Tide stand out, what made, you know, Alabama home for that particular player, and how they were able to come in, adjust, you know, find their niche in the program and really become something special. So check out this video. This is Xavier McKinney talking about why he chose to come to the University of Alabama. Being at Alabama made me a better person. It made me a better player. Uh, it made me more disciplined in a lot of ways on and off the field. Uh, and it just taught me a lot, man. I, I kind of, I grew up fast here, uh, especially with Coach Saban, um, you know, being in my room and, and teaching me and, and helping me learn. Uh, Coach Scott, Coach Kelly, uh, my, my coaches that I had with me here. I thought I had good academic support. Um, so, you know, from the time that, that I came in and from the time that I came on my visit, you know, that was always preached to me. And I feel like I got the fullest extent of that and uh, I reached my full potential being here. That was former Alabama safety Xavier McKinney discussing, you know, what made Alabama the best for him, why he chose to come to the University of Alabama. And McKinney, one of those guys that was a star at this program from 2017 to 2019, a young man who was a four-star in the 2017 class from the state of Georgia. And he learned from some of the best guys. I mean, he learned from Minka Fitzpatrick. He learned from Ronnie Harrison. He learned from Levi Wallace. He learned from Deontay Thompson. And he took those lessons. And after sort of just watching, you know, the Crimson Tide, that 2017 season win, you know, the college football playoff national championship the next year, 2018, the young man exploded onto the scene, 74 tackles, six of those for loss, three sacks, you know, 10 pass breakups, two interceptions, both returned for touchdowns, and he was that intense enforcer you know, on the back end. I remember after the tie lost the national title game to Clemson, I've never seen an anybody as upset as Xavier McKinney was. He was visibly angry. He was visibly frustrated. You know, he wanted to win that football game. He put his all into wanting to win that football game. But he came back his junior year, 2019, and was a leader on that team, the leader on that defense, one of the reasons why Alabama was still a top 20 defense in terms of scoring defense and total defense. McKinney that season, you know, 95 tackles and at the team, five and a half stops for loss, three sacks, five quarterback pressures, five uh, pass breakups, four forced fumbles, three interceptions, just did everything on the stat sheet, helping Alabama get its 12th 10-win season you know, of the Saban era. The program being able to get to the Citrus Bowl, beating Michigan 35-16. McKinney, one of the 
permanent defensive captains, of course, <clears throat> did not get the opportunity to have his handprint and his cleat print enshrined at Denny Chimes. But nonetheless, somebody that made a very serious, a profound impact for the Crimson Tide and was selected in the second round, number 36 overall in this past draft venue by the New York Football Giants. And he goes to a team that's got some Alabama ties. Uh, Dalvin Tomlinson, former Crimson Tide defensive lineman there with the Giants, and also the head coach Joe Judge, who was a special teams assistant for the Tide from 2009 to 2011. So despite the Giants losing one Landon Collins to the Washington Redskins, it gained somebody that's Kind of, you know, Collins 2.0, but to me, I feel like it, I feel like McKinney is a better coverage safety than what Landon is. So big ups there too for Giants. But you know, as I mentioned, Coach Saban, one of the biggest recruiting tools for him is not only being able to put those guys, you know, in the National Football League and seeing them grow, seeing them flourish, seeing them develop, but also at the same time, you know, having those guys to talk about their experience, talk about why was Alabama a big deal for them so that the next wave of talent can look and see, okay, if this guy was successful, if that guy was successful, if this person panned out, then... And most definitely, you know, I get this opportunity to come to Alabama. I give my yes to Nick Saban. I sign my letter of intent, and there's a big chance that I will pan out as well. But we're going to take a break here, folks, on the show. But definitely want you lighting us up here in the YouTube chat line, in the call-in queue. Once again, that number 205 448-1358. Want to hear from you. But before we take our next break, we actually have a call in the queue line right now. You're live on In My Own Words to start off your Monday. What's going on? All right there, Stephen. How you doing? Doing fantastic, man, and yourself. All right, man. Sorry that, uh, that I beat Leland in there. He's usually first up. <laughs> kind of miss that. <laughs> Well, hey, it's, hey, sometimes it's the first time for everything, man. So you you have grabbed the <laughs> scepter for the day, man. How you feeling? Oh, man. That's, that's, some, that's some tough shoes to, to feel right there. <laughs> but it's tough. Hey, the, you know what? It's, it, hey, it, it's tough, but Wayland believes in you. We believe in you, man. So go ahead and step up and take your shot. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, I, I left the let's on the chat while I go about the I seen your uh your assignment there that you had about Will Anderson's uh whenever he was in high school and how he was getting the quarterback man he was just chasing that ball everywhere man and uh, I'm kind of anxious to see him this year I'm anxious I'm I'm anxious to see Will on on this reason right here I know we had a a caller last week kind of compare him to Terrell Lewis but just me when I see Anderson on the field I see a young Tim Williams, just the speed that those two have, the ability to time the snap count, to be intentional in getting after the quarterback. And here's the big thing. I mean, both guys have the same playing weight. Tim Williams' playing weight was 6'4", you know, 240. Will Anderson, 6'3", you know, 233. But he's got those very long arms. So the, so the speed, the length, the instincts, and just you know, his ability to time down the moment that ball is snapped I'm making an intentional an intentional first step into the backfield. That is what excites me about William Anderson. Just his intentions of wanting to make a big play every time the ball is snapped. 
Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. He's going to make, 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 make his name known there whenever he's out there on the field there. I can't wait to see him. It's going to be exciting to watch him, man. But, hey, and you stepping in for Wayland, man, being the first caller, we appreciate it. And continue to listen to us, man. I sure will, man. And roll tide. Appreciate that caller coming in, stepping in there. Wayland will get his call in pretty soon here. But we're going to take our – break here folks upon our return we dive into an interesting topic where does nick saban get the bulk of his motivation from what drives coach nick saban we'll touch it up on the other side of the break after this want delicious homestyle cooking, sushi, and hibachi, check out Otoro Hibachi in the University Mall in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. At home and you can't get away from the TV because the Crimson Tide is about to score? Don't worry. Delivery is also available through Waiter in Crimson To Go. That's Otoro Hibachi in the University Mall in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And make sure you let them know the good folks at Touchdown Alabama sent you. Touchdown Alabama Magazine is Alabama football's premier publication. A subscription to Touchdown Alabama Magazine is the perfect gift for any Alabama fan. For exclusive news and information, recruiting updates, a free annual print magazine, and more, go to touchdownalabama.com and click join. Only $5.95 per month or pay $49.95 for a full year subscription. That's a saving of almost $22. Go to touchdownalabama.com today and roll tide. Back into the action, folks, on In My Own Words with yours truly, your man, Stephen M. Smith of Touchdown Alabama Magazine, hottest show in the streets. Got the man John Ivory in the production room. As always, we want you to continue lighting up the YouTube chat line, but also the call-in queue, 205-448-1358. But I'm going to call in to voice your opinion, your thoughts, your conversations. Want to hear from you on Tide Football, 205 448 Four eight thirteen fifty eight, but we get into now Alabama head coach Nick Saban and uh, John. I thought about this topic quite a bit over the weekend, more so on Sunday than what I did on Saturday. But I thought quite a bit about this topic. Coach Saban is about to enter his fourteenth season with the Crimson Tide, and, and that's crazy to think about. Just understanding how you know at one point in time he was about. Don't be at a place longer than four to five years. Don't overstate your welcome. Don't, you know, uh, don't allow things to get stale. You know, be in a program just enough to where you can get it to being competitive. You can get it to being really, really good, and then you bolt out of there, right? So, Coach Saban entering his 14th season with the Crimson Tide, that's incredible. And to me, I wonder at times, where, what? What drives motivation? Where does the motivation come from for Coach Sabe? I mean, what continues to keep him pushing? Is it the players? Is it the coaching staff? Is it the fans? Is it winning? Is it all of the experiences he has had? What has drove the motivation for you know Coach Saban? And the, the more I think about it, she will not admit to this. And I don't expect for Nick Coach Saban to admit to this. I, I don't I don't necessarily want him to admit to this. But as much as I think about it, as much as I play around with this in my mind, I feel like the biggest motivation for Coach Saban has been 
national media. I feel like national media has been the biggest motivation because, I mean, once again, he'll, ne he'll, he'll never admit to it, and I don't expect him to. He doesn't really pay attention to all the stuff that goes on out there in the page clippings, out there in the media, in the press, on the TV, on social media. He, he doesn't pay that much attention, but at the same time, I feel like that is the biggest form of the motivation. And the reason why I say that is, Coach Saban is always trying to prove I'm still the guy. Now, he's always trying to prove I'm still the man. Now, he's always trying to prove that no, nobody has yet gotten one over me. It's almost like, you know, Michael Jordan in the Last Dance, the Bulls documentary, where it didn't, Jordan did not need a full tank of gas. He just needed a little inkling of a fuse to get himself going, right? Whether it was, you know, Jordan could be in the hallway and there was a coach coming by, an opposing coach, that wouldn't say hi to MJ. That's all MJ needed. Okay, you're not going to say hi to me. I'm, I'm going to cook you now. I'm going to use this. I'm going to cook you now. Or if there was, you know, a player that, you know, walked past Jordan and didn't acknowledge him. Are you not going to acknowledge the great one? Okay, that's all I need. I'm going to cook you now. Or if it was a moment where, you know, a reporter would go on TV and be like, well, I think this guy is on the same level as Mike. I think this guy's on the same level as MJ. And MJ would be like, nobody is on my level. Okay, that's all I need. I'm going to cook you right now because they feel like you is on my same level. They feel like you on the same par as me. Ain't nobody on the same par as me. So Jordan would take kind of the smallest thing, right? And it's with all it would need for him to gas up the car and get him going. And it's it's kind of the same thing with Coach Saban, or it is the same thing with Coach Saban. Case important here. 2007, January 4th, you know, January 3rd, 2007, you know, Coach Saban makes land, makes landfall in Alabama as the new head coach for the Crimson Tide. And if you remember, you know, Alabama was in a bad state. I mean, you had the Locust era as people would call it, where it was Mike DeBose, you know, Mike Shula, Dennis Franchoni, the textbook scandal. You couldn't get scholarships. You couldn't recruit the guys you wanted to, even if you wanted to. I mean, this generation will never understand Alabama at one point in time with four and eight. <laughs> You know, I lived through that. You know, four and eight nowadays would be the biggest curse known to mankind. It'd be the biggest, what the, just happened. It, that, that would be if Alabama went four and eight this day and time. But at, at time passed, at one point in time, you know, 2003, you know, I lived through it. Alabama was four and eight. 2004 was six and six. 2006, it was, uh, it was six and six. So, you know, I, I remember those times, but... During that time period, you know, Alabama was in a very rough state. It was it, it was long gone from the championship pedigree that Wallace Wade, Frank Thomas, Paul Bryant, Gene Stallings had the program on. And so Coach Saban comes in here 07 and he says, you know, we're gonna give you this program. We're gonna develop, build, you know, Work to, work to provide you a program that you, the fans, can brag about, can boast about, can be happy about, can be excited about. And you know, as he's saying you know, all of these things, you have some entities of national media, their response was, yeah, Saban's good, but he's not going to be able to do that quick. It, it, it's going to take Saban 
six years to just win one. I mean, do you see how bad of a fix Alabama is? This is not a sexy program. This is not a great program. They don't have a whole bunch of scholarships. This place doesn't just doesn't just scream, you know, come to Alabama. Like, it's going to take Nick a long time to win here. He's not going to make this program a winner out off the bat. Why did he even come here? He could have stayed with the Miami Dolphins and made NFL money. Why did he come to Alabama? You had some people that already had in national media preconceived doubt, preconceived disbelief. What does Nick Saban do? He sees the preconceived disbelief. He takes the preconceived disbelief. But in half the time, he wins the first national championship. Does it, you know, in three years, 2009, got it done. And yes, it took, you know, distancing yourself from players, you know, cutting some guys off, bringing your players in, bringing your coaches in. But despite the critics, despite the naysay, in half the time, Coach Saban, national championship, media sort of lit that fuse a little bit. And then, remember in 2015, the great 2015, when, uh, you know, it was two years, 2013 and 2014, where Coach Saban did not win a national championship, when Alabama did not win a title. And what, what was the word coming from the media? Oh, man, it's been two years since Saban won a title. It's been way too long. We, I think he's losing it. He don't got it no more. He don't have it no more. Everybody's catching up. Dabo's caught up. Everybody else is caught up. The talent's caught up. Nick Saban cannot win the way he was winning at first. Uh-oh, we got a problem. Bama ain't king of the block no more. Here comes the naysay. Here comes the national media giving Nick Saban the gas, giving Nick Saban the fuel, giving Nick Saban the ammo. And behind that part of it, then you had the the article from our good friend Dan Woken at USA Today. Then you had Dan Woken's article. And this comes after Alabama lost to Ole Miss back-to-back years, 2014 and 2015. So Dan Woken puts the ice on the cake. He puts up the article, the dynasty looks like it's over. And then from that article... We got the Nick Saban presser where he's on the platform going, well, if it was up to y'all, we would be six feet buried and gone, 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 over if we was to listen to y'all. So Coach Saban takes the ammo from national media 2015. What does he do? After the loss to Ole Miss, he goes on a run and wins the national championship in 2015 and then you know the doubts go from winning championships to recruiting you have national media going well coach Saban can't recruit like he used to you know he's getting older now the age has got to him he's 68 he's not like all these young coaches look at how Dabo's recruiting look at how Kirby Smart's recruiting look at how you know Jeremy Pruitt's recruiting. Look at how Ryan Day is recruiting at Ohio State. Look at how all of these young coaches are being able to vibe with these players. They're listening to what these players listen to. You don't see Nick Saban listening to YFE and Lucci. You don't see Nick Saban listening to an NBA young boy. You don't see Coach Saban listening to, you know, Drake. You don't see Coach Saban listening to J. Cole. You don't see Coach Saban listening to all the hot Young rappers come out nowadays. You know, Coach Saban is listening to the Eagles. You know, Coach Saban is listening to the Beach Boys. Coach Saban is listening to all these old school cats that 
ain't around no more. He can't vibe. He can't relate. He can't speak to the language that these young kids are speaking to. He, he, he can't recruit anymore. Players have seen past the Alabama facade. They've seen past the championships. It's all work. It's no play. Kids want to have fun. Kids want to be a part of a fun program. Alabama ain't no fun program. So Nick Saban, he takes that piece of naysay. He takes that piece of criticism, and he goes, okay, I'll show you how fun I can be. I will go to every recruit's house and hit the Cupid Shuffle. I will go to every recruit's house and hit the electric slide. I'll go into every recruit's house and cut a two-step. I'll go to every recruit's house and show you that I am the biggest baddest, funnest man on the block. And while I'm two-stepping, I got Miss Terry in the cut baking cookies for all the moms and all the kids. We will show you we are fun, fun, fun program. Like, I, I, like I'll show you how fun I am. I'll take these recruits on the boat with me. And they'll go on the boat with me, and they'll be able to go off on Lake Tuscaloosa, and they'll be able to see what a fun individual that is. I am. And from there, you look at Coach Saban, 2019 class was a top class. 2020 class was a top class. 2021 class thus far, looking pretty, pretty good as things are starting to heat up more and take more shape. But now, the thing has gotten back to the championships. Now, the naysay from national media has become, well, you know, Saban's window's closed. Well, the time is running out. Well, it, it, it's getting harder to win national championships. Well, it's getting more difficult to win national championships. Well, it, 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 it's not easy for Coach Saban as it once was. The, the age is a big thing. Don't you know he turned 69 this October? We don't think that's going to happen. Folks, national media naysay, 2007, Nick Saban answered the bell. Nay say in 2013-14, he answers the bill 2015. National media has given Saban a bit more ammo. This is going to be fun this upcoming season. We take another break here on the show, folks. Don't touch that down. Still rocking and rolling. When we get back, we unpack more of your phone calls, thoughts, tweets, texts, messages, concerns. Bring them in right after this. menswear in the University Mall in Tuscaloosa. Touchdown Alabama Magazine is Alabama football's premier publication. A subscription to Touchdown Alabama Magazine is the perfect gift for any Alabama fan. For exclusive news and information, recruiting updates, a free annual print magazine, and more, go to touchdownalabama.com and click join. Only $5.95 per month or pay $49.95 for a full year subscription. That's a saving of almost $22. Go to touchdownalabama.com today and roll tide. All right, it's your time, Bama fans, 205-448-1358, the number to call in to voice your opinion on the show, 
1358 and one more time 205 448-1358. We go to our caller now in the queue. You are live on In My Own Words. What's going on? Hey, Stephen M. Good to talk to you, sir. Spencer Rivla here. It is a great honor to be able to speak with you on the great TDA and In My Own Words. Thank you so much for taking my call, sir. Spencer, no problem, and, and this is what we do this for. We do this to conversate with the best fans in college football, the Alabama football fans. That's why we do it. Well, thank you, sir. I've just, I'm a big follower of your chat line. I enjoy it. It's very uplifting. I enjoy everybody that you have on the uh, chat line. But they brought up a conversation tonight that kind of hit me a little bit wrong, the reason I had to call in. They were uh, been talking about the comparison between Bear Bryant and the uh, great Nick Saban. And I've been fortunate enough to live in both generations that I got to watch both coaches. Uh, there's only one comparison. Both coaches were able to adapt to a changing system. Bear did it. Nick Saban's doing it. Other than that, the era was totally different. The recruiting's different. Everything is different. So there's really no comparison in any other way. They're both great coaches. I love them both, and I just wanted to come out. Now, I will have to admit, with the defenses being played today, I would love for Nick Saban to put the, the wishbone back into play with our running backs, receivers, tight ends, and our line. Spencer, let me tell you this right now. Would, you are about the 10th person that has said that has said this to me, so there's got to be some truth here. Well, it's true, sir. I mean, because the way they're playing defenses now, especially with the backfield and our recruits we got right now, you put that wishbone back in – who are they going to defend? They're going to defend the run, the pass, or the, one of the running backs going to act like they're going to block and you drop it off to them? It, it would be awesome. It would be, and, 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 I, and I agree you know, with, with, uh, with your statement. I feel like people in life, they enjoy comparisons because it's fun for conversation, but you know, absolutely, but both guys, both coaches, different eras, different way of recruiting, but when they knew the game was changing, whether it was Bear Bryant or Coach Saban, they found ways to stay you know, atop the game, even down with Coach Saban, as much as he loves Scott Cochran, and he loves Coach Cochran, and I'm pretty sure Coach Cochran loved and respect Coach Saban, but at the end of the day, you know, Saban saw where things are even changing in the strength and condition department. And if we're going to decrease these injuries and if we're going to have, you know, our players healthy and our players sustained for the long haul, we got to even make a difference here. True, sir. True. Well, Stephen, thank you so much. I'm going to get off here and let some other people get in. But thank you so much for taking my call, sir. Appreciate that, Spence. Appreciate you for calling in, man. Keep listening to us. I always will, sir. Thank you. We got another caller in the queue. Appreciate Spencer dropping in there, helping us out with the show. You're live on In My Own Words. What's on your mind? Hi, Stephen. How are you? Can't complain to yourself. I'm doing well, thank you. Um, I have a question about, um, I was listening to you earlier, and I was really curious as to if you think that there are any mitigating circumstances or factors that would prevent Alabama and, and college football from having a football season this year. Well, well, right now the main right now the main concern is just the the growing the uh, the growing cases of 
uh, the coronavirus, especially you know among the players. I remember the first the first wave of tests in Alabama had five guys that test positive. Then it was three guys that tested, and then five more again, which puts it at thirteen. Uh, I haven't heard anything else, you know, since then. So. I, I can understand the concern of the players, uh, the concern of coaches, the concern of, of just medical staff and, 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 and everybody knowing that we've never seen this happen before. We've never dealt with this before. So, you know, people are trying to find a way to control it as best as they can and put itself in the best situation to have a season, you know, have fans in the stands as much as possible, even if it comes to where everybody would have to wear a mask while they're there. So, you know, probably right now, the only thing where I can see where it could hinder a football season happening is if people say the health and safety, you know, of our players, the health and safety of our fans – are way more important, you know, than a game, and we're just not going to have a season. That's probably the only way I can see this happening is if the NCAA, you know, and the powers that be, the, the, the ADs, the presidents, the chancellors at the majority of these schools, they put their foot down and they go, well, as much as college football makes money, as much as we enjoy, you know, seeing the product that we see on the field, we don't want to risk, you know, the health of the fans, the health of our players to wear – it gets really bad. That's probably the only way I see a season not happening. But as of right now, with the uh, the Division One Council approving this practice plan, and with Walter Maddox, the mayor of Tuscaloosa, doing all he can to make sure that a season happens, right now the push is trying to have a season. Well, my my other concern, and I appreciate the uh, the detailed response, but my other concern is uh, whether or not there will be enough time for the players to be ready. I heard the, the phase plan that you laid out, um, but would that be enough time for them to get back in shape and, and just prepared mentally and, more importantly, physically for a long season? I think I think it would be. I know, I know before you know, Alabama got back for voluntary workouts, they were able to work out, you know, individually at home or, or whatever they chose to, you know, work out and get their exercises done at, especially with the band exercises that the coaches provided them on the phone or the iPad or the Apple Watch. And then, you know, from June the 8th to the latter part of this month, you've had the in-person workouts. And then going back to the module, you'll still have, you know, up to eight hours or eight to nine hours through each period to work out, to meet with, you know, Baloo and Ray and then get on the field to do, you know, different things. So I still think this is enough time and I'm happy that this is going on just due to it gives the players a chance to have what they did not have in spring ball. So I think it's enough time. All right. Well, uh, thanks for taking my call. Look forward to hearing the rest of the show. Appreciate it, man. Th- thank you for and uh, keep listening to us. People very much so concerned about trying to have a season, wanting to have a season, making sure that you know it happens. But 
We're going to go to another break here on the show. Don't touch that dial. Continue lighting us up with questions, thoughts, concerns, ideas in the YouTube chat line. But upon our return, we go into my projected rep chart for the Crimson Tide. Who do I project being you know, starters offensively and defensively for the upcoming season? We'll talk about it after this. If you're an avid Alabama Crimson Tide fan and you love to flaunt it, then show your Alabama Crimson Tide support by grabbing the Alabama sneakers. They feature bold Crimson Tide graphics, so no one will be able to question where your allegiance lies. When you add these sweet sneakers to your Alabama Crimson Tide collection, go to stsfootwear.com and use the code TDALABAMA for $15 off your purchase. That's code TDALABAMA for $15 off your purchase. Go to stsfootwear.com and get your Alabama sneakers today. Touchdown Alabama Magazine is Alabama football's premier publication. A subscription to Touchdown Alabama Magazine is the perfect gift for any Alabama fan. For exclusive news and information, recruiting updates, a free annual print magazine, and more, go to touchdownalabama.com and click join. Only $5.95 per month or pay $49.95 for a full year subscription. That's a saving of almost $22. Go to touchdownalabama.com today and roll tide. Appreciate everybody for tuning in to the show on a Monday, starting off your work week on the hottest show on the streets. In my own words, with yours truly, Stephen Smith of Touchdown Alabama Magazine. As always, we encourage you to drop your thoughts, questions, concerns, ideas into that YouTube chat line. And also, be sure to give a thumbs up, give a like on the show, and hit that subscribe button. Turn on all of those notifications so that way you can have the best news updates, notes, analysis, alerts on your Crimson Tide. But we're getting to now my projected depth chart, rep, not depth chart, my bad, don't hurt me, Nick Saban, rep chart, as Coach Saban likes to say, rep chart, my projected rep chart for the 2020 season, you know, offensively and defensively here as I put on my hat of prediction here crimson tide got a lot of great players returning it's got a strong mixture of experience and young talent it's got the uh, cohesiveness of the coaching staff back both offensively and defensively so this year looks to be the revenge tour that was supposed to have been in 2019 unfortunately you know injuries played a role in that you had to play a bunch of young guys that you had to grow and help develop week by week uh, throughout the season but of his 2020 campaign hopes to be a whole lot better. But starting this off with the defensive side of the football, the defensive projected rep chart here. And uh, I've taken the liberty here to do this from the nickel formation. I know Alabama's base uh, alignment is the 3-4 set, but 80 to 90% of the time, Alabama's running from the nickel and dime. So I chose to go with the nickel you know, formation here. So what we got here, we got your four, you know, down linemen, your two linebackers, and your five, you know, defensive backs here. So starting this off with the first defensive end, I got Will Anderson in this nickel package of defensive end. Now he he would start off 
as one of the uh, as one of the linebackers. But in this formation, I've got him walking down as the fourth defensive lineman because of his speed, his length, his instincts, his quickness off of the football, the ability to intentionally get after the quarterback. I feel like Anderson, the five-star freshman, would work really well in this set. So I would have him. That's the first defensive end. Right next to him, because he would be the defensive end, this would kick Christian Barmore inside a defensive tackle at 6'5", 310 pounds. Coach Saban has talked about having him pressure from the inside, having him pressure and affect the quarterback, collapse the pocket from the interior. This would give him the opportunity to do that. You know, using his hands, using his technique, using his strength, using his speed, using his power, using his passion to affect plays, uh, disrupt plays from the inside. So he would be one of the two defensive tackles. The other defensive tackle, would be DJ Dale after having a strong freshman season, despite having an injury there down the stretch to his knee. Dale back strong, back healthy at 6'3", you know, 306 pounds. He would be the other you know, defensive tackle, pressuring from the inside, stuffing the run from the inside, you know, creating negative plays, havoc there from the inside, which will leave our final Defensive end, my projection in this rep chart would be LeBron Ray. Him coming back from injury, uh, the foot injury he suffered against South Carolina in week three of the season. You know, at 6'5", 292 pounds. He's got the size. He's got the footwork. He's got the ability to affect the passing game, uh, get after the running back. He's got a ton of experience as far as on the field and in the playbook as well. So, Brian Ray would be that fourth a defensive lineman there. Moving up to the linebackers, the second level here, you got two. Dylan Moses will be your middle linebacker, self-explanatory. He's back as the captain of this group. He's back as the leader of this group. He's back as the nucleus of this group, the communication of this group, making sure everybody is on the same key. So the moment they snap the football, the defense flying to the football, attacking who's got the ball, taking away the angle, you know, creating those turnovers. So Dylan Moses at the middle linebacker spot. At the weak side backer spot here, the other inside linebacker, Christian Harris. To me, he is the intellectual Reuben Foster. To me, he's going to be shooting through gaps, flying in, making plays, hitting whomever's got the football, attacking the passing game, you know, running down the backs, taking away the angle. He is your more so intellectual Reuben Foster with a defensive backs background. He's got a ton of athleticism, but Christian Harris, the other linebacker. At both corner spots here, at right corner, give me Josh Job, the physicality that he plays with, the toughness he plays with, not afraid to jam at the line of scrimmage. The biggest thing I've always said about him is, can he be physical, but not too physical where it draws a flag? But I absolutely see him project him in this rep chart as the starting right corner, which would mean the starting left corner, as good as Marcus Banks is, as good as a Jalen Armour Davis is. Now, I really want to see Armour Davis break out. That left corner, give me Ronald Williams Jr., the, ju the JUCO from, you know, Hutchinson Community College, but he's originally from Louisiana. Coach Saban does not recruit JUCO guys just to sit them. He recruits them to play them. He intends on them to play. He intends for them to more than likely start. So, 
he would be kind of that he would be that left corner and that nickelback spot We've got Patrick Sertan II right there. When he came in, drew a lot of comparisons to Minka Fitzpatrick. Had a strong so uh, freshman year. Sophomore year had some great moments. But this year, I think the coaching staff, the players around him, and of course, you know, Sertan himself expects to take that jump, expects to take that next step, that next level, and be a first-team All-SEC, first-team All-American type of defensive back, which last but not least, your two safeties in this formation projected. You know, the free safety is Jordan Battle. He's got an Eddie Jackson, Deontay Thompson type range. Can play from sideline to sideline, track the football. Great coverage defensive back. So Jordan Battle at free, which makes my strong safety, Daniel Wright. He's built now like the Incredible Hulk, built like the Terminator, torso, chest, in point right now has matured his body matured his knowledge of the system he's learned behind a bunch of guys including one xavier mckinney uh also minka fitzpatrick as well and now he is ready to take over that being daniel Wright. but that would just be the all uh, the defensive rep chart in terms of the guys I have projected as starters. Moving over to the offensive rep chart from yours truly offensively. Starting with the front line from left to right here. It's got a ton of talent. At left tackle, Alex Netherwood. This guy is going to be probably, well, more than likely the best left tackle in college football. The best, one of the best left tackles in college football. The best left tackle in the SEC. He gave up two sacks last year against Louis, against LSU, but he's looking to improve onto neutralizing, keeping speedy edge rushes away from the quarterback at left guard. Emil Ikior Jr. will be at left guard. I think at that center position, give me Landon Dickerson. I know I've stated before, I would not mind having Darian Dalcourt here, and I would not mind having Dalcourt here. But since Dickerson provides the nastiness, since Dickerson provides the toughness, since Dickerson's already got some experience, you know, and more games as a starter at center, we'll keep Dickerson right there. At right guard, come on down, Deontay Cornbread Brown. Deontay Brown would be at that right guard spot and at right tackle, Evan Neal. Got Evan Neal at right tackle at 6'7", 360 pounds, which would give Alabama its two bookend offensive tackles, helping out Najee Harris there in the run game and also no pass protection as well. At tight end, give me Miller Forrestal. Jaleel Billingsley is going to be a stud, but Forrestal's added healthy weight to his frame at six foot five. And one of the main things he's been working on is being a complete package guy in not just catching the football and running routes, but also being an effective blocker at the mesh point, at the point of attack. He's worked on being a full package guy especially where blocking comes in. So now, if, as we go outside of the wide receiver positions, wide receiver X at the top of the formation, give me John Mechie. Mechie will be the X wide receiver to me at the top of the formation. In the slot, Jalen Waddle, who else? None other than the, than the human joystick. None other than Mr. Lightning in a bottle. Waddle, who had over 800 yards received as a freshman. 
over you know 500 yards receiving a season ago and then last but not least at that z spot you have uh Devontae smith at quarterback give me mac jones and at running back give me uh Najee harris that would just be my projected rep chart there for the crimson tide both offensively and defensively but as always folks if you want the best news notes information and coverage regarding your crimson tide it's very simple very easy to do you can get this by downloading the Touchdown Alabama Magazine app. You can do this by going to the iPhone App Store if you're rocking Team Apple. Google Play Store if you have the Android phone. For your audio listening needs, we got you covered on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, Overcast.fm, and iHeartRadio. If the good and gracious Lord sees fit, I will return on Wednesday, continuing the conversation that is Bama football. But until next time, folks, Husbands love your wives. Wives appreciate value. Those husbands, children continue doing those things legitimately to not be bored. Get those three hearty meals a day, those three great laughs a day. Protect yourself. Protect the loved ones around you. Until next time, folks, I'm your man, Stephen M. Smith, and this has been In My Own Words.